Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. The uh, book of Genesis is where I want to turn to next. Genesis chapter 1. And... um, I want to begin in verse 26, Genesis 1:26, and I want to spend a little bit of time uh, searching the authority of the blessing, the authority of the blessing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is a record of the very first words that Adam ever heard ring in his ears. The first words that God chose to uh, utter in the ears of His created man are found in actually in verse 28. Verse 26 is when God is making this decision. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. He said, let them have dominion. The New Living Translation says, they will reign over all of these things. They will reign. The Amplified says, let them have complete authority. Let them have complete authority. Genesis 1:26 and the amplified says, "Let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts, hallelujah, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Let them have complete authority. Hallelujah. So this was God's plan. And then verse 27, we see God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. God blessed them. The first thing he did after he created them was to bless them. We must see the blessing in the same perception that God does in the same position of importance, the same operation, the same purpose that God sees for the blessing. The blessing is something that, the, that our society has made cute. They've made it something uh, um, of, of little importance. They, the blessing is only for like if you're praying over your food or if somebody sneezes and that's A lot of people, that's the only time they even think about the word blessing. Oh, bless you. We are privileged that we've spent a lot of time looking at the blessing. But noticing God's positioning of the blessing in the life of every person he came into covenant with should give us a greater estimation of the blessing. That the very first thing God 
put in place in Adam and Eve's life was the blessing. The very first thing God put in place in Abraham's life was the blessing. We are positioned in Christ and it says we are heirs of this blessing. So we need to have the emphasis that God has on the importance of the blessing. God blessed them and God said unto them, and now we have a record of the words that God used to transmit the blessing. God blessed them with these words, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and subdue it, and have dominion. So he said in verse 26, we will let them have dominion, and in the blessing is the power to have dominion. In the blessing is the the ability to be fruitful. In the blessing is the flow of multiplication. It was in the blessing, and God imparted the blessing with these words by pronouncing the blessing over them. And in that pronunciation of the blessing, He conveyed the power of the blessing into their lives. And with that came fruitfulness, multiplication, replenishing the earth, subduing it, having dominion. All of that was in the blessing. You know, one way to translate or to define the word blessing is empowerment. Empowerment. So a blessed person is an empowered person. The empowerment, the empowerment to prosper, and if you only think finances when you hear the word prosper, you are partially correct, but you're not, you're not giving the full definition of prospering. In, in the blessing is the empowerment to prosper in your job, to prosper in your health, to prosper in your family, to prosper in your marriage. In the blessing is the empowerment, the ability to subdue, to prosper over adversity. Amen? And so when we see the position of the blessing, we recognize that God gave the blessing as a tool to govern. This was the equipping to govern. And he has made us governors. He has made us, Jesus is the king of, I'm looking at y'all kings this morning. He's the Lord of, you're a Lord over the area of your life submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us dominion. You know, it says in the book of Revelations, he has made us kings and priests. We are in the order of, the, of Jesus Christ, under his, his, under his authority, he has made us kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek. And that means we have dominion and we have the anointing to serve God. We have dominion in, the area, in our sphere of influence, in the areas of our life, to execute the will of God. We have the the dominion in Jesus' name and the dominion as as born-again sons of God to execute and walk in the will of God for our life. So if the curse comes, we don't have to submit to it. We have the authority to rise above it, to put it under our feet, to execute authority over it, 
If Satan comes, we have authority over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means hurt us. We, we learn to execute our authority over the devil and then we learn to dominate our life with the will of God so that God's will is done in every aspect of our life. Amen? So the blessing is what God gave Adam to walk in authority with and to experience the increase with. It's what he gave Abraham to execute authority with and to operate the increase with. And that's what he has given to Christ, our Savior. He has received the blessing, and in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'll go to that in just a moment. First, I want you to look at Numbers chapter 6. Under the old covenant... God had established the high priest to be a representation of the will of God to the people and a representation of the will of the people to God. So God had established the position of the high priest as a way to interact with his people. We have a high priest in the new covenant. Our high priest is a high priest who is an eternal high priest. He is the only high priest who was ever sworn in with an oath by God. Aaron was not sworn in with an oath by God, but Jesus was. God swore over Jesus, you are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is our high priest and he represents us to God and he represents God to us. In the instruction to the Old Testament high priest, God wrote a specific, detailed proclamation that he instructed the high priest to pronounce over his own people. God wrote this. God verbalized what he wanted to be said over them, and then he authorized his high priest to make this declaration over his people, and this is what it was. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they shall put my name, they, the high priest, they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Well, Jesus is our high priest, and we have been named, all of the family in heaven and all of the family in earth have been named with the name of Jesus, amen? And in that name, he has pronounced these blessings over us. If this was under the Old Testament, how much greater is the effectiveness of the blessing for those of us who are operating as as born again, alive unto God, led by His Holy Spirit, sons and daughters of God. How much more is the blessing intended in Christ to reach and to empower our lives? Hallelujah. So Jesus, our high priest, releases the blessing over our life. That's what Hebrews chapter 7 was talking about. He, he, our high priest of whom it is spoken of, it, it lives forever. He receives the tithe and releases the blessing. 
So you who tithed this morning, Jesus himself stood and received your tithe. Not only did I as his representative here in this house receive it and pronounce the blessing, but Jesus himself, he as your high priest, he received what we offered this morning. And in the receiving, he released his blessing over your life. Hallelujah. And this operation, the Lord wanted his blessing to be the governing words over his people's lives. And he wants the blessing to be the governing force of your life as well. So when I say the authority of the blessing, I want you to see the blessing as a force that will turn things, a force that will govern things, a force that will cause situations to manifest God's will in that situation. The blessing is a force of God. It's not just some random part of the covenant. It was the main force of the covenant. And God was so, so emphatic about the blessing that he made it the central core of every covenant he established with anybody. The blessing. Hallelujah. So it needs to be emphasized in our thinking, in our understanding that God wants his blessing to govern every area of my life. Can, can we just look at the description of the blessing in Deuteronomy and let's see how far-reaching God intended for this blessing to be. He says in verse 1, It shall come to pass, if you will hearken, diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command you this day. So now he has given us the key to the blessing. Be a doer of the word. James, in the book of James, he corroborates that. He says you'll be blessed in your doing. The person who is not only a hearer but a doer of the word will be blessed in all their doing. So that still operates the blessing, that still activates the blessing to act on the word, be a doer of the word. And he said, when you act on the word, all these blessings shall come on you. Notice that. All these blessings shall come on you. They will, one translation says, fall on you and take hold of you. They will come on you and overtake you. They will fall on you and take hold of you. Does that sound, does that sound violent in a way? I mean, fall on me. Whoa, what was that? What just fell on me? That was the blessing. And not only does it fall on you, it takes hold. It overtakes. It comes on you and overtakes. Not in a, 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 a bad way. But it comes in and says, let me drive. Come on, let, let me run this ship. Let, let, me, let me turn the course here. And the blessing comes on and, and takes you to the good and takes you to the increase and takes you to the overflow. Amen? It comes on and it becomes a propelling force. It provides a momentum to our life that we can't do just with our own labor, just with our own work, just with our own try. To make it happen. When the blessing starts making it happen, then the blessing, you're like, how did that happen? It was the Lord. He's the only one who can get credit for what just happened in my life. It was the Lord. It was His blessing. That's God's plan. He said, when you do the word, 
all these blessings come on you, overtake you, fall on you, and take hold of you. Verse 3 begins to describe where the blessing will work. See, a lot of people just think the blessing is about money. But when you read this, you're going to see it works in every area. It's a governing force. The blessing starts to govern not just my money, but the blessing starts to govern everything. Look at verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. The city represented negotiations. It represented business deals. They went to the city to sell at market. They went to the city to, to purchase different things that they might need to, to interact in business negotiations. In the field, that's their daily work, the work of their hands, the things that they're, they're cultivating. Verse 4, Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. That can indicate children, but it can also indicate the strength of your body, the health of your joints, the, the well-being of your organs. The fruit of your body, what your body is able to produce is strength. It is force. You know, we, we, the, the, the more mobile we remain as we increase in years, the more we can continue to accomplish. Amen. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Notice the emphasis of that verse is what is produced. The fruit, the fruit, the fruit, the increase, and the flocks. That, something that is increasing, something that can gain and accrue. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your store or your storehouse. Uh, my center column reference gives this. It says your kneading trough or your dough. In other words, bread, you know bread then is not like Wonder bread you get at the store today. White bread that has absolutely no nutritional value in it. Their bread was like Ezekiel bread. Their bread was sprouted bread. Their bread had nutrition in it and nutrition that helped every part of their body. And so when he says you're going to be blessed in your bread, bread was vital to their life. Amen? Now it's just a ham sandwich. But bread was vital to their life. Bread was a, an important part of their, their daily living. And so he said, you'll be blessed in your basket and in your store. Blessed shall be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. That's covering every movement I make. That's covering all of my activity, my momentum. I'm going to be blessed when I come in. I'm going to be blessed when I go. All of my movement, all of my activity is blessed. And then it says this. The Lord, see what the blessing, remember the blessing comes on you, overtakes you, and in the blessing the Lord causes things. Something that you can't cause without His blessing. The Lord causes your enemies that rise up against you to be, you don't even have to lift your finger, you don't even have to say boo. You don't, uh, the Lord will cause your enemies to be smitten, you'll be like, what happened? God did that. God did that. I didn't even know. That we, we, we pronounce that benefit of the blessing. Battles I won't have to fight because God fights for me. Hallelujah. Why? That's the blessing. He says the blessing 
the, in the blessing, the Lord will deal with your enemies. It says in such a way, they'll come out against you one way and flee before you. So you can't make that happen in your own power. But God in his blessing will bring such a protection. So that's more than money, isn't it? Money can't buy that. Money can't buy that victory. Money can't buy that protection. But the blessing will produce it. And then he says this, The Lord shall command the blessing. Ooh, Jesus, I, I, I desire him to have liberty to command the blessing in my life. The, the, the blessing that the Lord commands. Can you see Jesus standing over your life looking at your savings account and commanding it to prosper? Because that's what he says, your storehouses. And we don't have barn storehouses as much today as we have bank account storehouses and IRA storehouses and, 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 and uh, investment account storehouses. And, and, and uh, those, those things are, are the wisdom of God that he wants to command the blessing on it. It says, the Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So in the blessing, you get land that you're blessed in. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself. How is he doing it? With the blessing. Deuteronomy 8.18, God says, You shall remember the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Where's the power to get wealth? The blessing. The blessing is the power to get wealth. He has, he has given you the blessing to establish his covenant. He will establish you a holy people unto himself. Blessed people are set-apart people. Why, they didn't, they didn't make the blessing happen. Don't blame them for the blessing. Don't look at them and say, oh my goodness. How could, if that's just ungodly how rich they are. That's a twisted way of thinking. Because if the blessing made them rich, how could that be ungodly? I mean, there are people who have gotten wealth by illegal means and ungodly, unscrupulous means or ways. But, but God established the blessing and established riches as his plan in the blessing to make you a blessing. And so for people to have that mindset that money is evil, they have taken that scripture out of context. It says the love of money is evil. And you can love money and not have any. There are a lot of people who love money but don't have enough to even deal with their own needs. Because the love of money is evil doesn't make money evil. Because then that would make God ungodly for blessing us. Do you see how wrong that is in the thinking? So there has to be that breaking down of that mentality that when you come to the limit and you say, oh, that's too much money. Well, tell that to God who runs the cup over. Tell that to God who made too many fish come in the net so that the net started to break. Even wasn't just the, the condition of the net. They brought another ship over with other nets and it filled both the ships and both ships started to sink because of the, the load of too much 
fish. Do you think anybody stood over there? That is ungodly how much fish they just caught. That is ungodly. Who caused it? God caused it. God commanded the blessing and they reaped it. Hallelujah. So this is why we need to look at the blessing and submit to the blessing and allow its governing power. Not for us with a greedy... Listen, you won't operate the blessing out of greed. You can't. You can't. It will, it is, there's a safety built into the blessing. Because it only works when we honor God and we do the word. So no greedy people are getting blessed. It's not working for them. It just, it, it loses, it's like it unplugs all the blessing power when it gets in the hands or, or when, when someone is trying to get blessed out of a greedy motive. It won't work for them. But if we're holy and we're right in our thinking and we come to God and we say, I want to be blessed so that I can be a blessing. I want to be generous. I want to be a distribution center of the goodness of God. I want to have to give. I want to abound to every good work. I want there to be more in my life so that when the opportunity comes, I'm right there on the front abounding to every good work. Being a blessing. And I know God's going to bless me in the, in the, in the, the, the participation. I'm going to have more than enough in my life. I'm going to have a generous supply in my life. But I'm not desiring a generous supply to hoard it up. I'm desiring a generous supply so that it can flow through me. As it keeps flowing through me, I still have it, but it keeps going out and coming back in and going out and coming back in. And instead of me being a little uh, a cesspool of, of container... I become a flow, a generous flow, and the blessing is continually flowing to me and through me. And, and then I widen. You know, you get enough water coming through, it keeps widening the path that it's, the, that it's flowing through. And that's what happens with the blessing. The more of a blessing you become, the more of the blessing you'll receive. And the more of the blessing you receive, the more of the blessing you become. So it's not going to work with greedy motives. So don't even worry about that. Oh, y'all are just trying to get something from God. He did tell me he wants to be my provider. So for me to look at God as being my provider is godly. He wants me to be the one. He wants to be the one I depend on. He, He says, look unto me. Look unto me. Don't look to them. They don't have the supply I have. Look unto me. I am your provider. I am the Lord your God who causes you to prosper. I'm the one who has the blessing power. I'm the one who has the cattle on a thousand hill. Amen? He wants us to depend on Him and to trust in Him. And as His children, He teaches us His systems. So that we're not just, you know, some people might say, well, those people are just after what's in God's hand. God teaches his children how to fish. You know the difference between I can give you a fish or I can teach you how to fish? God not only teaches us how to get, but he teaches us how to, how to sow and reap. He teaches us how to uh, receive and distribute. Amen? So he's teaching us his systems. God is generous by nature and he wants us to be generous by nature. So the blessing... 
the blessing of the Lord is how God chooses, verse 9 of 28, uh, Deuteronomy 28, the blessing is how God is establishing us as a holy people unto himself. He is establishing us with the blessing. And again, that's not limited to money. He is the source of the blessing. I need the blessing in my marriage. I need the blessing in my body. I need the blessing in raising my children. I need the blessing in everything I put my hand to. Not just money. I need the blessing in everything. Amen? And so he establishes us a holy people, a set-apart people unto himself as he has sworn unto us if we keep the commandments of the Lord our God and walk in his ways. There again, he brings us back to the key of activation. The activation key is hearing and doing the word of God. Verse 10, And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will have respect to you. They shall be afraid of you. And you didn't do anything to make them look at you that way. But they, the blessing has such a flow and a governance in our life that it causes people to say, those are godly people. Leave them alone. Those are God's people. Don't mess with them. Don't steal from them. Right? Give them the better, the better deal because those are godly people. That's the blessing. You're not doing anything to try to make that happen other than being a doer of the word. Verse 11, the Lord will make you plenteous in goods. Plenteous in goods. The Amplified says a surplus of prosperity. God wants to do that. This is His desire in the blessing. God will make you. You don't have to make yourself plenteous in goods. God will make you plenteous in goods. Just go ahead and say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I thank you, Lord. The blessing is governing my life and making me plenteous in goods. In the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give you, the Lord shall open unto you His good treasure, His storehouse, one translation says. The Lord will open His storehouse. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The heaven to give the rain unto your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. Notice, because of the blessing, there will be the supply in your life that you won't need to borrow. Can we just let the blessing govern us? Hallelujah. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. If that you have hearkened unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. So this blessing is far-reaching. It is all-encompassing in our lives. It's not just in the financial area, he wants the blessing governing everything you do. Every decision you make, every activity, every going in, every coming out. All things that you are busy about 
or, or involved in. He wants the blessing to operate in all of those. Amen? So this is the plan that God has established for mankind. Let's look at our connection to this plan in redemption. Galatians 3. Galatians 3 and... When I first received Jesus as Lord, I came on the basis simply and only, that's all I knew about, but simply just to have my sins forgiven. I didn't know about a new nature. I didn't know about my, land, my names being written down in the Lamb's book of life. I didn't know about uh, uh, being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I didn't know about even being a daughter of God. I did not know that, be, that my decision was about to make me a child of God. I just wanted help to get off drugs. That's all I wanted. And when the person who came and shared the gospel with me, he came into the, the uh, chapel. He actually came into the waiting room of the ICU where my first husband was being kept alive by those machines, his brain had swelled so much that it, you could see it coming through the sides of his head from the drug overdose. When that man came in and coerced me into going to the chapel, I didn't want to go to the chapel. I wasn't thinking about going to the chapel. Somebody had just dropped off $25 worth of cocaine that I had in my pocket. And this preacher wants me to go to the chapel and I've got cocaine in my pocket and a syringe in my shoe and you want me to go to the chapel? Let me go to the chapel so I can get rid of you. And that was what I thought when I walked into that chapel. But that preacher began to ask me questions and make me respond. He would not let me give a yes or no answer. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I tried it. I tried to say, yeah. No, he would, he would go back into the conversation. Have you ever considered that Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he went to the cross for you, Michelle. He died on the cross for you. He knew where you would be today needing him. He was so direct and he was so to the point. And, and I finally, he asked me, do you, do you, did you know that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he went and he died for you to set you free today so that you don't have to be. And he began to tell me, Jesus will help you get off drugs. And one little glimmer of hope came up in my heart. And I thought, I want to be off drugs. As I am hungering and thirsting and craving this cocaine that's in my pocket, right here in my heart, I desired, I don't want to live the way I'm living. And he said, pray this with me. And he made me. I just wanted to say yes, but he made me. And as I was praying it, one little glimmer of hope, I decided if God can help me, I want his help. I want his help. And I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Lord. And didn't even know anything about being made a new creature, old things passed away, all things created new, being made the righteousness of God in Christ. All I knew is I just want help. I, if he can forgive my sins and get me out of this life that I'm living, I'll take his way out. And I prayed that prayer. Amen. Look at all that came with it. 
I didn't know all this came with it. But what a sad story it would be if I left all that he provided unreceived because that was all I wanted. When I began to see, and we will notice in the book of Galatians that he emphasizes our redemption and the connection it gives us to the blessing. That Jesus was so desirous of us being able to receive from our Heavenly Father that He became cursed for us. He didn't just deal with my forgiveness of sins. He didn't just, if He just provided my forgiveness of sins, I would have needed that over and over and over and over again. Right? Because I was still been a sinner by nature. He didn't just provide me forgiveness of sin, but He changed my nature and made me righteous. And then He made me an heir and a joint heir. And then He gave me authority so that I could walk now in this day, in this age, in this time in victory. All of these aspects of redemption, including the blessing. Notice Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed means to purchase back the price that he paid with the giving of his life and the sacrifice of his life included paying for us to be removed from the dominion of the curse. He redeemed us from the curse. Say that out loud. Christ redeemed me from the curse. He paid for that. Part of the sacrifice Jesus made included you being purchased out of the dominion of the curse. The curse no longer has dominion over you. Sickness doesn't have dominion over you because by His stripes we are healed. Sin no longer has dominion over you because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the curse does not dominate your life because you are now subject to the blessing in Christ. Notice the governing. Sin doesn't dominate me. Sickness doesn't dominate me. And the curse doesn't dominate me. So if the curse is not dominating me, what is? The blessing. If sickness is not dominating me, what is? The healing. Amen? The wholeness in Christ, that covenant of health. And if sin is not dominating me, righteousness is. Righteousness, and so when I'm saying dominating, it's the dominant flow in my life. It's what's directing the decisions that I'm making and the choices and the, 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 the uh, uh, activity of my life. The next verse says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, the blessing of Abraham comes on. Did we see come on and overtake in Deuteronomy 28? So Jesus redeemed us being made a curse for us and this is why he was made a curse for us. All of the curse on this planet came on Jesus in a moment. The curse came on Jesus. Why? So the blessing could come on us. That's why. That's the purpose. 
So not only do we see God in Adam, his very first interaction with Adam, emphasizing the blessing. The blessing was the main component of their interaction. Abraham, the blessing was the main central focus of their interaction. In Christ, the blessing is one of the main central components of Jesus' redemption. He became cursed so that we would be, so the blessing could come on us. The blessing could not come on us without Jesus purchasing our freedom from the curse. Hallelujah. This is an emphasis that God has included in our redemption. Hallelujah. We are a blessed people. I want to... Uh, I want to end in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And while you're turning there, if we could put Galatians 3.29 on the screen so that I don't have to use two separate closes, I'm going to just do two verses at once, right? I'm learning. I'm learning how to get it all in. So while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to read Galatians 3.29. If you be Christ's, apostrophe S, if you belong to Jesus, if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the blessing promise. He said the blessing, might come, the blessing of Abraham come on you. What is the importance of the blessing of Abraham? Wouldn't you have thought it was the blessing of Christ? Well, Christ is the connection to the blessing. But God is going back to the blessing that the covenant that he established with Abraham is the covenant Jesus fulfilled. The covenant God entered into and Abraham willingly offered his son. He was not forced to kill him, but he willingly offered him and God provided a substitute so that Isaac didn't have to die, but Abraham had willingly offered what was his son, his only begotten son, to God so that God had a legal right to offer his only begotten son to Abraham and Abraham's seed. So that covenant was established legally on the earth for the blessing. And then when Jesus came and shed his blood, he fulfilled God's part of the covenant that he established with Abraham of sending his only begotten son to be the sacrifice for sin. And in that, we accept Jesus as Lord and we become in Christed. We become placed into Christ. We become His... He's purchased us with His blood. He has redeemed us. If you are Christ, then in that redemption, in that purchase, you have now become a legal recipient of the same blessing God gave Abraham. <laughs> a legal recipient. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's yours. It's yours like it was Abraham's. It is such a legal 
transfer that the words that God stood in front of Abraham and said, and we're about to read them here in Hebrews chapter 6, those words have been legally transferred to now it is as if God is standing in front of you and saying these very same covenant words. Amen? Let's read them. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 13. For when God made promise, this is the blessing promise, when God made promise, this is the promise that you're an heir to, If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs to this promise that we're about to read. This is the promise that you have inherited. When God made promise to Abraham or to Amy or to Carrie or to Barbara, when God made promise to Abraham, now this is yours, so you could could put your name here and say, when God made promise to Melanie... Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying. So hear the words of your creator, your heavenly father. He wants this to be so certain in your life that he swore it. And because he could swear by no greater, he swore by who he is as God. These words to you. Surely... Surely, without a doubt, with perfect confidence, surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. That's yours. That's your inheritance. It will affect every area of your life. It will affect your spiritual life. It will affect your physical life. It will affect your financial life. It will affect your health. It will affect your relationships. This blessing is yours by inheritance. But notice this same chapter says this in verse 12. Don't be slothful. Don't be slothful. And slothful means slow to react. Have you, a sloth is a very slow moving animal. Don't be slothful. Don't be slow to receive, to react, to respond, but instead be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit. So he says we need to be inheriting as if inheriting is a verb, an action verb. Inherit that. An action verb is something you do. And he says, there's something for you to do. Through faith and patience, inherit that. Use your faith as spiritual, uh, the spiritual uh, equipment to do this spiritual activity of inheriting. You know, when my father passed away, he had left a, a small life insurance policy and, and, you know, whatever was left in his savings account after we uh, finalized his bills. But it didn't just come to me because I was his daughter. There was paperwork I had to fill out. There was uh, a, a meeting with the, the, as the lawyers were uh, settling the estate. There were documents I had to sign. I had to show my identification. 
And just because this is our inheritance, there's some faith and that endurance that we bring to the receiving. Inheriting is a verb. Running is a verb, an action verb. Singing is an action verb. Dancing is an action verb. Believing is an action verb in the spirit. Believing is not a mental verb. Believing is an action verb for the spirit. And he said, inherit is a verb. And not for us to be slow in the inheriting. But we need to make it a central focus because inheriting the blessing promise. It's the promise of the blessing that he's talking about us inheriting. It's God's plan. If I don't inherit the blessing, I can't do all that God desires for me to do. I can't fund the plan of God for my life. I cannot fund all of the ministry assignments in my own power, out of my own natural wealth, all that God has told me to do. I need the blessing to do what God has told me to do. Hallelujah. So what did he say? Inherit it. What do you need to do to inherit it? First of all, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know that you are Christ apostrophe S. You belong to him. You are in Christ. Go back and get the book, Redeemed and Righteous by Nature, and begin to see yourself as a child of God. See yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Build your faith in who you are as God's own child because that's why you have an inheritance. It's because you're a child of God. And you are Christ, and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to this blessing. Oh, just lift your hands and receive it. Father, thank you. For the blessing, oh Lord, that we would be skilled in the receiving, the inheriting. Lord, make us inheritors. Make us good in our inheriting. Make us skilled and proficient in inheriting everything that you have provided in your covenant, in your inheritance. Lord, that we would know what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints that we would comprehend it, that we would know from first-hand experience, that we would be intimately acquainted with the riches of the glory of the inheritance, that it is not just about money, but, Father, it's about the glory, and it's about the empowerment, and it's about the effect that that glory has, not only on us individually, but on our children and our grandchildren and our families and our neighborhoods, that we would be inheritors of the riches of the glory. Father, that the glory would have a preeminence in our life and a preeminence in our hunger, that we would have an appetite for glory and an appetite for your blessing and an appetite for your perfect will in our lives and I ask it in Jesus name in Jesus name let us hunger for the riches of the glory and let us know what is our inheritance as saints in the light and I thank you for it in Jesus name praise the Lord have you received this morning stand with me to your feet as we prepare to give